Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again, it's the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. I am your uh, humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, joined by two of my regular steady eddies, regular dudes here in the world. Uh, that would be Mr. Peter Stein in the Voyager Reds, uh, sitting on that Type 9 shuttlecraft, Type 9? Or is that? Oh, no, that's Delta Flyer. Delta Flyer. Whoops, my bad if you're watching us on YouTube. Yes, Peter always, always goes to the effort. I'm bad. I'm just, I'm, I'm just pipping Secret Friends Unite because I have a family party after this. Don't want to do the quick change. And I always get too hot down here even though it's cold because i recorded in my basement studio there it's uh it, it's the it's the hot flash of rooms i just can't get comfortable but anyway and uh of course last but not least aaron hemminger in seat number three good morning to you my friend good morning all right well we're gonna dig in we're continuing a theme uh that we started last week uh after we or last episode after we did our TOS castings, uh, fan castings to round out the rest of that crew based on what we're seeing on Strange New Worlds in Season 2, we moved into uh, doing some dream remakes that would take place in Season 1 of TOS. Now we're doing the same for Season 2, so that's going to be our first segment. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to give some love to our patrons, and then we do actually have a new story to discuss. So, as always, uh, we are very indebted to these wonderful folks that make us make it possible uh, for for us, myself, Peter, a lot of other people, Todd and Mark, and all the uh, other regulars on the network to make additional content. That would be our Patreons, which you can access by visiting patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite. Go there, try us out for free for a week, listen to our programs, and see what you think. We'd love to have you stay on board. Uh, at the Friends with Benefits level, we have returning, after a little absence, uh, Corey in HD, John Sedorf. The Awesome Phoenix Sisters Cosplay, Mr. Brendan Myers, Cosplayer, Asian Sith Mistress, and Music Enthusiast, Matthew Keel. BFF level, as always, our top-tier folks, the awesome Nias family from the Twin Cities, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and friend of the show and friend of mine and friend of all of us, Missy Merchant. So thank you, you folks. Again, patreon.com slash secretvinceunite. Try us out for a week. All right. Well, as I said, we have a new story. Um, and, you know, things are starting to evolve. News is actually starting to flow again uh, related to productions. But uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was on a podcast called Happy sad confused weird name for a podcast don't know if i would really trust news that came from a source like that um that uh, he is uh, very excited uh, about the potential of picard being featured in a star trek movie script uh coming up as we all know the third and final season uh, of star trek picard aired last year to overall acclaim i certainly felt it was a much more suitable ending to their story uh, than what we saw back in 2002 in Star Trek Nemesis. And I, I would be hard-pressed to find someone uh, to agree to disagree that Star Trek Nemesis was was not a great send off for that cast of characters. Um, so again, this is you know he, he's quoted as saying yada yada yada. It's an ongoing you know ongoing for me. I heard a script was being written and so on and so forth. So it seems a little vague to me. 
Um, but guys, what do you think, Peter? Your thoughts on on having Picard trotted out there again? Um, I would say let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, um, ditto for sure. As much as I enjoy the character of Jean Luc Picard, um, they've kind of run him through the ringer in the last three seasons, and I don't. Yeah. Part of me doesn't really want to see that happen again. Um, just because that seems to be how people write things now. Yeah. If they were going to do like a nice fun story. Okay, fine. But if we're just going to be like more of the same of like, Hey, let's add trauma to the character. And now it's just sadness and all that. Oh, I don't really care. That must be why it was on the sad, happy, confused podcast. Yeah. <laughs> They're covering their sadness space. Aaron, what do you think? I think we're all on the same page here. I mean, my initial reaction to hearing this was please don't. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, the only the only thing I can really say uh, I, I would love to see them expand on from that is I, I still want to know uh, what the deal was with that huge hole that got blown in the Alpha Quadrant in season two. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's kind of open ended, and if they're exploring that and explaining that, I'd be happy with that. But beyond that, it, it ended beautifully in season three for those characters, and and I'd, I'd hate to see that kind of cheapened or taken away. I mean, it it was such a nice tee up with what they ended the season on Uh, Mm -hmm. seven headed off on new adventures, rechristened enterprise through like a, yeah, it was kind of a weird route of like, we're going to take the shipyard, you know, and now it's the enterprise and seven is all of a sudden the captain of it. And, you know, and now, you know, Picard jr is going to be on it and stuff. So they kind of teed it up in a way that you're like, eh, but then again, seven new adventures, uh, Ed Spillier's character of Jack Crusher, uh, having a face down with Q, um, you know, so yeah, time to kind of transition, you know, our, our, you know, magnificent seven of the TOS characters, you know, off into actual retirement, you know, they, they, they did it with the T and, you know, they did it with the TOS characters, though. Some did peek back. We got, you know, there's send off in generations. You, you know, Scotty had an episode in season six of TNG, uh, Spock had his awesome two-parter, um, and, you know, and we saw Sulu and Voyager and, uh, it's just, sometimes you just got to let it go. You know, it's, it, it echoes to me, maybe a portion of why the Indiana Jones dial of destiny failed this past summer is that it was just, it was too much. And you know, with star Trek, it's potentially not that there's demand, there's not demand and interest, but story wise for us, in our, you know, in what we do in our, you know, commentary function, uh, that we we're more interested in stories than just like, Oh, it's a thing I know. And a character I know, as opposed to foraging forward and finding new stuff. So, well, I'm glad that one of us was, wasn't like giddy guha happy about that though. I'm, I'm certainly interested obviously in, in other people's opinions, but that's uh that's all right. So anyway, all right. Well, that's uh that's our stab at the news. And the good news, we know that Strange New Worlds Season 3 is back in production in Toronto, so that's exciting. We know that we have Discovery uh, coming out sometime in April. That's only a few months away. So um, in the time in between, we're going to fill you up uh, when it comes to see, uh, Segment 1 uh, with finishing talking about TOS, and then we're going to get into something pretty bold uh, episode after next. Uh, that I, I take it back. I wouldn't say it's bold, but it's a good segment, and I, I like the way we put it together. So... Anyway, we're going to jump into segment two, as I mentioned, talking about uh, the original series, moving into season two with our newly assembled uh, cast of folks. And uh, assuming it was a 10 episode season, they were going to revisit some classic moments, maybe redo an episode, maybe incorporate bits of an episode into another one. Um 
what would be our you know, dream episode to be remade. So uh, we're going to go, at least as far as I see, kind of clockwise. Uh, so we'll start all the way to my extreme left with Aaron. What is your uh, first pick to remake in season two of TOS? Okay, so from my first pick for season two remake, and it's, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of a, a cute little story. It, it starts with an argument that I had with my wife. Oh, well, always, always a great story. Yeah, great right. Start a story. <laughs> yeah, we were watching uh, Strange New Worlds, and we're, we were both really enjoying what they've been doing with the uh, Nurse Chapel character and her evolution and the way they've been fleshing her out. And my wife is a huge fan of Nurse Chapel. And we were talking about uh, her in the uh, classic episodes when she was played by Majel Roddenberry and, and everything. And she was like, yeah, my favorite episode of Nurse Chapel was Who Mourns for Adonis. Ooh. And, and I was like... Yo, I remember that episode. Uh, I don't remember Nurse Chapel being in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so she's like, oh, no, that was such a great episode because she just played with uh, Apollo, like, 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 uh, just totally used her feminine wilds and strung him along. Even at the end of the episode, she just had that baller move where she was like, you're nothing but a science experiment to me. And just absolutely crushed a god. That was like, Nurse Chapel. And I was like, you know, no, 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 that was, that was, uh, that was someone else. Uh, but, but that's great. So that's my choices. I would love to see Who Mourns for Adonis, but I would love to see that character swap of this new incarnation of Nurse Chapel uh, uh, in that position and see what she would do with the role. Plus, you have the added benefit of, um, you know, Apollo being this multidimensional being. And and I love the idea of not just... <laughs> the big hand. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic. Absolute classic. You know, and a great Christmas tree ornament at that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'd love to see that... Um, you know, I, I don't want to just see remakes, but I want to see them change up just a little bit. And him being multidimensional and omnipresent, that's something that you could play with, uh, with with how that would impact the timeline and everything a little bit. And I think that could be a lot of fun. So I, I'm going to say uh, who, who mourns for Adonis just because I think it could be a fun episode um, to, to touch upon. Good deal. Good deal. All right, Peter, what's your number one? Um if- Continuing with my self-imposed restrictions of no major uh, episodes like Trouble with Tribbles or things like that. Yeah. Um, I would say the ultimate computer. Mm. Um, one, we have better special effects so we can actually have multiple different versions of the same ship flying around. Right. Um, but also, I think that the premise is very, very interesting with Dr. Daystrom, um, but how his mental breakdown proceeds throughout the episode could be handled a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that the way that we understand how that works now, that would pan that, that could be played a little bit more one subtly two, uh, in a more, uh, dramatically interesting way. Um, so I think that that episode could be a really interesting way to, uh, to do that. But also then you have, you know, the classic Kirk versus computer, but in, but having more things going on than just like it's a computer that's running a planet. It, there's, there's more stakes, right. there's more things going on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and then we get to see Dr. Daystrom once again, obviously they would have to recast him. Right. Um, but it would, it would just be interesting to see a, a different take on the character that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily have to have like that, just like, you know, handshaking crazy fairly yeah. early oh, on. I'm losing my mind. So, who who would uh, you uh who would you pick uh just off the top of your head to the be? The problem is I don't know a lot of younger actors. Yeah. Uh, I watch I mean, a lot of older movies. I mean his uh, the the character wasn't necessarily younger. He was like um, fifty. 
Okay, I mean, you could go with like like an I, Idris Elba. I mean, if, if it was someone right like away. me, I would go. I, Idris Elba would be a solid choice. Yeah, I would go with Denzel Washington, but that's just mm, right. But um, yes, the, the the you know it's funny you he's say a little oh, older though. So. Yeah, the th- you think oh the thought of someone that big league being on TV, blah blah blah. But you know, t- t- TV has changed so much in the streaming era, and certainly post COVID when there weren't films in the theaters that you know it's the lines have become so blurred so you just you just never know um nice i like that and that was i'm sure you're familiar with in in 06 for the 40th anniversary how they took that episode specifically and they you know recomposited all the external space yep. shots no the space shots look a lot better in the recomposite yeah. i'm just saying like we could oh, make absolutely. it a little bit more dynamic well you could you could have four different ships i mean you know it, it, it four different designs could be in you know the or mix. just like have the 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 combat and the the war right. games be a little bit more intricate in how they're exciting. Like, yeah, like, are they hiding behind planets? Are they doing all these other things? Because they're just kind of flying in deep space in the original right. episode. So it just be it's as much it's as much as they could do with the with the wires. Do 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 do. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. little all things the, that are, yeah. all the little AMC models that they had to keep far away so no one could tell yeah. that there weren't any so, registries on them. <laughs> some little guy clanking clanking between them. So good stuff. All right. Well, I picked I picked a Kirk centric episode uh, that I always liked, and that it's Obsession. So we're talking yep. about the die contender. Yeah, the the dichronium creature that kind of gives us a deeper dive into what make you know what makes Kirk the way he is. You know, grief, guilt, uh, everything that came with that incident that happened. If you're not familiar with the episode, early in his career uh, when he was on the USS Farragut, uh, he felt responsible for the fact that a space-born uh, cloud uh, assaulted you know the ship from space and killed a bunch of people, including his first commanding officer who was you know his role model his idol um you know and then flash forward to now they stumble upon the same creature that same role model's uh son is an ensign under his command and so it just it just gets you know it gets really complicated kind of uh emotionally um i would also really like to see that creature using some you know getting some serious 21st century updating instead of just sparkly lights like ooh, the sparkly lights are getting me uh early contender for name of the episode sparkly lights are getting me there i I almost never get one um so i'm gonna have to stick with that um but yeah i think that would uh i think that would be great and again paul wesley i admire what he does i think he's a great actor and i think that he could continue to um to to deepen that aspect of kind of developing the character so um i you know what and i do have a couple of picks from jen which i will read at the end uh but we'll go back uh to aaron and we will get your number two pick Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'd like to say uh, I definitely love the fact that we're all kind of on the same page here because uh, I I have those picks as well for for episodes I would love to see that you guys pick the fantastic choices. But I I did have uh, another one that I came up that I would love to see. I would love to see a remake of The Doomsday Machine. Oh, yeah, classic, nice. Cla- yeah, absolutely classic episode, and and like I'd I'd love to see that updated as well, and see that um, portrayed as more of a galactic threat and everything. And I would also kind of love to see um, some more of Commodore Decker, and uh, maybe a little bit more of how he ties into like uh, the character of Decker in the oh, motion Decker. picture. Yeah. Right, right. Which, which we uh, we had a uh, we had a chapter uh, New Year's Eve party that mm-hmm. three of us were in attendance at at, uh, at our security chief Corey at his house, where mm-hmm. we watched the director's cut in HD of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, which we had a lot of fun riffing on all the way through. Myself in, in particular, such a misunderstood film. But I digress. Yeah, great time. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, uh, put it fresh in my mind. So that's why it was back there. But yeah, I would love to see that updated. 
Yeah, cool. I think that I just feel like I have to comment a little bit because Doomsday was on, was on there for, for one of mine up there. Uh, and just seeing how they could redo some of the special effects for the for the machine itself would be kind of cool. Yeah. Like the, the remastered version looks a lot better than the tinfoil wrapped, you know, <laughs> a cornucopia mesh, uh, <laughs> in, in the original. But yeah. um, having fought those things in both like the old Starfleet Command movies, uh, Starfleet Command video games and like Star Trek Online, I yeah. just would really like to see that thing like ramp up the the terror of that thing because like it's described yeah. as being absolutely terrifying but some of the camera shots don't always make it seem as scary as it is You're like ooh, it's so, got bends and peaks and valleys and a big mountain it would just mountain. be interesting I mean, to see how that not necessarily a full redesign but like a retexture and some yeah it's, yeah it's, it's evil done a little differently evil space cornucopia yes yeah. maybe put some googly eyes on it i mean i yeah I, that I would make it very I, terrifying i think it turns you can go yes oh i want it i want it all right well let me jump in with my number two pick uh that would be the pilot that never was season finale of assignment earth oh gosh with robert lansing oh i'm getting some eye rolls here um you know it's it's a fun episode in some ways it's kind of satirical i would have to dig in but i'm sure robert lansing was was somebody of note in like the western era where he was like oh he was you know actually in westerns with john wayne he's just got that presence plus i love his last name of lansing because that's our state capital here in michigan um but we got terry gar i think maybe even before laughing which you guys may or may not know anything about it was a it was a very 60s variety show that was i don't know yeah. yeah just google it um but anyway it was originally designed as a backdoor pilot to then uh further the adventures of robert Lansing's character of Gary Seven, and then you know Terry Gar is his you know executive uh, secretary, Gal Friday, helping him out as they bounce through space and time and put things right that once were wrong, like quantum, mm, you know, like quantum leap or whatever. Familiar. Mm, I wonder if it's a concept that's ever been done before or since. Um, but uh, no, it, it, the episode itself was a great comment on. Uh, though the premise of it was stupid, in my opinion, because even right from the opening log, Kirk's like, we've used space warp trajectory to slingshot into the past, to study events from 1968. I'm like, that's 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 not something that you're allowed to do. It's been thoroughly established that there's the uh, uh, Office of Temporal Investigations. And it's funny because in that DS9 episode where we meet Domer and Luxley, a.k.a. Mulder and Scully, uh, who are interrogating the Cisco. The man was after, a menace. Yeah, the man was a menace. But I'm like, he was there on orders. That was an assignment that he did. But they're still throwing him under the bus. Um, but I like that. I I really love it. You know, and again, I think Jen touches on this in, in her comments, which we'll read in a minute. Um, but so many, you know, themes in season two and and great characters got got introduced, had this this great, these great sharp parallels to um to things that were going in this in in the 60s. So Private Little War was your big Vietnam commentary. Um, you know, even the, the ultimate computer was about, you know, automation and, and people mm-hmm. losing their jobs to computers and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, but I, I in particular in this episode loved Terry Gar's commentary about, you know, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of people think my generation X pretty crazy, but it's probably because most of us don't think that we're going to be alive by the time that we're 30 because of the kind of stuff that you saw happening in this episode where, you know, it's Gary's mission, which he, of course you can't talk about because the temporal prime directive or whatever to, to stop this missile uh, that gets launched, that goes off course and it's got to explode exactly a hundred you know, kilometers over the earth and stuff. So I love it. And I would love to see if this, 
I would much like with Strange New Worlds itself that that concept of Simon Earth gets spun off it, that that is successful in becoming a successful backdoor pilot. So mm-hmm. I don't know pipe dreams all around. Um, but uh, yeah, I know I think that would be pretty cool. Okay, um, one more episode. If you oh. want to do that before we get into gens, did I did I did I cut you off? I I feel so bad. <laughs> you have one more episode, like you're doing a third one, or am I just is my brain? No, it's the second one. So. Oh my god, I am so sorry. Yes, please. I I I broke I, I, bro- I broke the concept. Broken. Yeah. Go ahead. So the other episode that I have is the Gamesters of Tris- Triskelion. <laughs> Ten quatlus for the newcomer. Fifteen. So, one. It leans into the stupid, which we sometimes need. Um, two. Um, this is one that has some interesting concepts, both in just the gambling and the gaming and all of that sort of deal and yeah. what lives are worth in that instance. But right. also I think it's one of the ones that if handled correctly could help with the continuation of the rehabilitation of Kirk's character in the modern eye. Yeah. Um, and, and it needs all have, the help we can get. <laughs> well, because we all think, think of captain Kirk as Zap Brannigan and he's not. Um, and so, if you actually watch this episode and, and redo this episode uh, with that eye, um, then you can see why, how Kirk uses his charms as a tool. He's not a womanizer uh, Mm -hmm. in the same way that a lot of people like to characterize him. Thank you, JJ. Um, So, Oh, with um, Angela. So I I think, so I I know this is a little bit selfish of just wanting to rehabilitate Kirk's character, but I think that this is an episode that would one be fun and dumb, but two also have uh, a second uh, motivation. Do we get Lady Gaga as Angela? If if we could actually get Lady Gaga to come on to play her, that would be fantastically (laughs) hilarious, but I doubt. Well, you never know. She's up for weird things. So with the, with the tinfoil outfit, that's a meme that you know you have that classic Kirk stand behind her, kind of arms around her shoulders, saying, "Hmm, I'm suddenly thinking of baked potatoes." <laughs> well, one of my favorites is, "We shall have a child, and she shall go there, and her name will be Lady Gaga." Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, like oh, I, I enjoy those memes. Like, nailed maybe it. She'd be up for the stupid. You never right. know. Right? Oh my God, I would certainly hope so. Okay, all right. Well, uh, our th- our third chair, uh, Jen Watson, uh, is out sick today, so she was not able to join us. She said her voice was was throw throw uh, bear, but she did send me her picks because she wanted me to go through and kind of briefly read them, uh, and I'm glad that she sent them. So, uh, her number one pick is a piece of the action because it fits with the zaniness of Strange New Worlds, and I think it would be fun to see how a modern story explains the gangster planet. Totally. I like it. Um, no, pick two is a private little war, which I just mentioned because an updated Mugato and updated Klingons. I'd like to see how the political message carries out today. And uh, Mbenga is featured. Uh, he comes back and I'd like to see how they would address uh, his absence and return. Good point. Yeah, we never necessarily know that he left, but this is the, this is when we see him. This is one of Peter. Correct me if I'm wrong. He appears. Does he appear twice? Or is yeah, it just, I think he only appears okay. twice. Gotcha. So. Yeah, because he shows up as a Vulcan specialist who helps heal Spock after Spock gets, you know, shot in the back. Or so he get, no, he's get shot. In the, yeah, he gets shot in the back, and it, Kurt gets the Mugato bite, and then the 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 Umbatu woman heals him with the you know the, with basically looks like horseman where she puts it on like he's healed. If yeah, I'm remembering it's, correctly, it's, yeah. it's an interesting episode. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, her final thought is a, a lot of uh, season two has already been introduced. Sarek. To praying mud, the mirror universe, uh, and it would be neat to see those retold uh, with a new cast and different context. 
and uh, and then, in my opinion, you do not touch the trouble with tribbles unless you pull a trials and tribulations with it. Which yeah, they could, they could, they could find a way to sub in the footage from that episode, and then it would be a reason to uh, to make to remake that episode in HD. I think that'd be pretty sweet. So. Good I would deal. I would stay away from the mirror universe in its entirety. Yeah, I, I agree um, with you. It, I it, love it, the TOS mirror mirror episode. Right. I don't want to see what's been done with the mirror universe brought into that episode. Yeah, like, yeah. Full yeah, stop. Yeah. Don't want to see that. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like Picard. You know, we we've done enough for good or for bad, and let's just yeah, let's just move on. So I I, I totally agree. Well, cool. Good deal. All right. Well, guys, make sure you uh, get your list ready for next episode with season three. Uh, and then we will be moving from season three into the next great adventure, which we will talk about in our next episode. But in the meantime, we're going to move into segment two and talk about Star Trek Voyager. Uh, we're moving into the second segment uh, of uh, of talking about season four, which aired in the 97 to 98 season. I was a regular watcher and taper at this point, much like I was with TNG, uh, closer to the end of that series. Uh, and I was in college at the time, so that was always a joke between myself and Todd Axtra, who is uh, the uh, my co-host over on our main show and uh, originator of this network that we're on uh, that uh, that I was so fastidious about getting those and taping out the commercials and my mom would would do it for me sometimes. Actually, I think she always did it for me, but I always had my pile of VHS tapes. So I go back and rewatch them and it's just so funny that I, I don't know about you guys, but there hasn't been a VCR in any house I've owned in 20 years, at least 15. Uh, you're pointing to a VCR. Is. Oh my gosh, you can still find I'm sure you could scour a uh I still have tapes. I yeah, could play uh, them if I wanted to. Probably, I don't ever, yeah. but I could. All right. Scour a flea market somewhere and find. What about you, Aaron? You're an A V guy. Do you have a VCR and tapes around? You know, it, it's it's funny. I I've been on the hunt for one because I get a lot of people who want me to um uh transfer some of their old VHSs to digital. Yeah. So I just I just but I haven't been able to find one that'll do the recording and have the hookups that I need yet. But it's, oh, gotcha. it's well, I'll tell you what I will, and, and I don't go into a lot of flea markets, but I do from time to time. If I see one, I will let you know. Thank you. You got it. All right. Well, let's jump on in. Uh, and we have, it's funny, we have seven segments, but one is essentially a single because it's a two-parter. Uh, so I'll kick it off and I'll read, I'll read both parts of our first, uh, our first selection here. Uh, and this was, this was a sweeps, we, this was a sweeps month, uh, episode. So it was, big stakes and a lot of different stuff. And it ends up being one of my favorites, but it also be, ends up being one that's really tough to watch because of what happens to our beloved Voyager. But we're talking about The Year of Hell, parts one and two, uh, part one being directed by Alan Croker, who is a regular of the series. Mike Vehar directed part two. Uh, this was written by uh, Brana and Joe Minoski. Again, the guys who are very much responsible uh, for the shows. We got a flurry of star dates. I'm going to skip them. Uh, this aired on November 5 and November 12, respectively, in 1997. Uh, when Voyager uh, creates a new astrometrics lab, it leads them uh, into a new course that brings them into a contact with a Krenum temporal ship that can erase things from history and as that starts to happen uh the the timeline continues to change and the ship is for is damaged and damaged and people are dying and the ship becomes uninhabitable and certainly by the end of part one the ship is evacuated with the exception of our main cast which doesn't include paris and chakotay who get kidnapped close to the end of part one uh as voyager hides in a nebula and there's just the skeleton crew on board um Paris and Chakotay uh, 
you know, Chakotay really connects with the Krenum commander who is played by the awesome Kurtwood Smith, uh, Red Foreman of that 70s show, if you happen to be a fan, and from RoboCop and a lot of other stuff you've seen, was also the Federation president in Star Trek VI. Uh, and Tom Paris works the other angle, figuring out a way to outmaneuver him, um, at which he does. And by the end of it, uh, Janeway, being the last crew member on board the extremely malfunctional Voyager, crashes it into the temporal ship. And we go right back to the very beginning, and everything is fine. And it's it's it's, it's Mulligan Mulligan the Mulligan the sweeps entry. Ooh, that could be that could be a good one too. Sweeps Mulligan, sweeps Mulligan. I'm going to do it. All right, I'm going to change that while we talk about that. Aaron, you go first. I really uh, I really enjoyed this two parter. It kind of represents everything that I both love and everything I kind of hate about Voyager uh, in a lot of ways because it it has a lot of great character development, especially with Seven of Nine uh, in the situation she's placed in, where she's um, kind of in a new role for her, where she's caregiver for Tuvok. You know, because he gets injured during the whole thing and and um, she feels responsible for that. We kind of get to see her uh, humanized. A little bit more and and i feel that was some great character development but of course by the end of it everything gets reset so it never technically happened and everything gets back to status quo which is my biggest pet peeve with voyager and and a yeah. lot of trek, trek in general because it's, it's not just voyager but um i i, I that, that's such a big pet peeve for me but the other thing i really enjoyed about this um especially with all the timey-wimey stuff uh, i really enjoyed seeing voyager get put through its paces mm-hmm. you know especially in a combat scenario because you think you got to remember about the intrepid class they're science vessels you know they're not meant for long-term engagement and long-term warfare yeah, and stuff a scout. Like yeah six weeks yeah. out six weeks out six weeks back probably yeah. mostly operating from a star base and a lot of supplies and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah yeah they're they're versatile and that's great but that's part of what's so wonderful about the voyager crew is just seeing how innovative they are and how they push this uh, uh machine to its just absolute limits yeah um, yeah so, yeah so for that, sure that, that's that's my thoughts on this episode anyway cool, I, I cool, yeah. Awesome. Peter. Um, I mean, there's not much more I can say. It's a great two-parter with all of those extra details. I thought it was interesting how um, the Krenim commander was uh, like, we're all like, well, what's he doing? He's just trying to restore his, his empire. And they get to a point where we're like 98% restored to whatever they wanted. And yeah, then it's like, but yeah. his family is still right. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get his wife back. That's yeah. in that 2%. And he's like, Nope, got to keep going. And so he just hyper, like he focuses on just that one thing. And like, it's understandable. Like when, when you're watching it, you can empathize with the man, but at the same time, you're just like, dude, you just keep like destroying the space time continuum for like two people. I mean, right. most of us would want to do that. Cause you know, we care about our families or our friends or like, we'd want to do that, right. but it's like, it's, it's just interesting how we can see how damaging that is. Right. Right. Uh, if you just like, you throw caution at the wind and you just like, I'm, I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do. Um, and just kind of mess with everything. And it, it, it takes all the way till Janeway just destroys the ship to reset the timeline. She, again, she much like in the last episode, she Janeway's, she Janeway's her way through it, which is pretty <laughs> classic. Um, I, know. I just thought it was interesting. Cause it's not some, I, I think it's something that's done in time travel story as on a semi-regular basis, but, you destroy the implementation of the time travel incident and then things get reset because it no longer right. existed. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's without a doubt. It's a trope. Um, yeah. It's an interesting a, thing. It's not always yeah. done in star Trek. Cause a lot of times artifacts of whatever happened still remain. Right. And in this case, that doesn't seem to have happened at all. Right. Which you is know, a, which is an interesting 
way of doing it because that's just yeah. not how usually Trek does it. Yeah. You, it's like in you know TNG and episodes like Descent Parts 1 and 2 where Data goes nuts and he's a big threat, but then at the end of it we're like, oh, no, it's good. And I remember watching that with Todd way back when he's like, oh, just forget about all those people I killed. It's not a big deal. It wasn't me, you know? Um, yeah, this episode is is echoed in kind of modern parlance over in, you know, the MCU in What If and, and the, the yeah. focus of the character of the uh, Supreme. Yes. Yeah, the Supreme or the extreme Doctor Strange, who we see both in seasons one and in season two, spoilers if you haven't watched it, um, that his the entire focus of everything he's doing is exactly the same as Anorax, as as, as Kurtwood Smith's character in this. Um, but in the multiverse, you know, you can be like, well, you know, I changed time, but now I can move over to another universe and find the right one where, you know, this guy's just got one universe to deal with. So he's just going to keep he's just going to keep poking it until it's like, uh, you know, it. So and then he's, you know, trying to teach Chakotay how to do what he does. And he's like, well, you did it, but you also elim eliminated the blah, blah, blah species. And I'm like, dude, you know, pot calling the kettle black here. Yeah. You eliminate you. you and yeah. he's been doing it for 200 years because they're ageless because they live in this temporal bubble. So they could yeah, keep so keep weird doing this forever. Have, like we're trying to manipulate the butterfly effect. And it's like you, the yeah. whole point of the butterfly effect is you can't predict it. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. It's the, you know, and it was echoed in, I think it was uh, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, my favorite X-Men film, uh, where you see Hank McCoy talking about, you know, throwing a stone uh, into a river. It'll change the current, but eventually the current will again write itself um, because time is immutable. It just has the one course where it's supposed to run. So, so I dug it. It was, uh, you know, the hardest part for me was watching Voyager just get cut to shit. Um, but obviously, you know, I mean, anybody who's watched this, well, you know, they're going to figure out a way to to get it set because the ship is not going to go on with you know they're flying around in the falling apart Battlestar Galactica kind of ship um which is which was all yeah that was always Ron Moore's uh contention with that show which again Peter and I have been going through that in uh over on one of our patrons I was talking about that great show my my other favorite show in the whole wide world is that show um where he was very fixated on the fact that hey you've got a ship that has no support and no support base or repair base so it's just going to get crappier looking as time goes on where with Voyager no matter what they're always able to oh this thing blew out and a thing fell out of the ceiling that oh, we got a guy and he's just going to replicate some parts and it's going to be no big deal um where on Battlestar, it just it, it started looking more and more like a '78 Pinto as time went by, you know. And it wasn't great looking to start with because it was an old ship where Voyager was brand new. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I dug this episode, but again, kind of hard to watch because they're like, "Oh, my poor Voyager, my poor Voyager." Oh, uh, anyway, all right. Well, let's move on, uh, Peter. I'll start going in reverse order. So, Peter, why don't you talk to us about episode ten? All right, episode ten: random thoughts, of which many of us have many. Uh, yes, yes. Directed by Alexander Singer, written by Kenneth Biller, aired November 19th of 97. Torres is arrested while visiting a world of telepaths where violent thoughts are crime. Um, yeah, so this is, this is a very interesting episode. Um, how we get, uh, we get brought in the idea from like the 1984 novels of like the thought police. But in this case, it's a little bit different because they are in fact telepaths. Oh, right. Um, Real thought police. So, there, so there's a little bit, there's a little bit more going on there. However, um, you do have the whole interesting thing of like, supposedly how they describe it before, you know, the plot twist. Uh, it's like, oh, well, we are not exposed to violent thoughts very often. So we're very impressionable. And so if those happen, then we take them on and shit happens. Yeah. Right. Um, which when you first hear it, you're like, that's kind of dumb. 
and <laughs> right. and and then like the episode try like through the the uh the investigator and everything they try to convince you and then i mean at least me watching it i was like like through the whole time my first watcher i was like that's just dumb yeah right that doesn't make sense there's something else going on here and then eventually you do find out that there's this underground group of people who uh get their jollies by uh experiencing murderous memories and murderous emotions um or just extreme emotions in general right and just experiencing but not not necessarily acting not necessarily acting them out which is why how they they keep underground so it's like some kind of psychic fight club kind of yeah it kind of is and so like there is something to the if they experience too strong of an emotion it can overwhelm them to a point so like there is something there um so it's not complete crap yeah but the way that they kept on insisting on it so but it's also an interesting thing where we bring in the star trek starfleet's idea of like you're on another planet you're you're uh, under their laws so if you break them it's kind of on you like we had that with wesley and the flowers and tng right. uh, but they still didn't kill him damn it <laughs> so like there's a lot of that going on and so it's interesting to see how they try to like get her out of it using the laws and the system that's there and eventually you know janeway janeways and has yeah. to not go and investigate things yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it's kind of cool there um it's interesting the concept of like thoughts becoming illegal because people think like this is the only way to do stuff um because there has been swirling people talking about that sort of thing for a while i'm not commenting on anyone in particular i've just heard this in the ether yeah um and so it's just interesting that this is going around and so people so it becomes an episode and it's like yeah trying to police thoughts is kind of a dumb idea because you know, passion and thought just kind of happens. Right. You don't necessarily have, you don't really have control over it necessarily. You have control over what you do with it. And we see that with Torres of like, yeah, she wanted to punch this guy in the face. Cause he was kind of a jerk. Yeah. It bummed her. Bumped bumped into her. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But they were going to lobotomize her anyway. Cause you know, reasons. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so, so there's just some, int- there's some interesting commentary there about like, yeah, thoughts are thoughts and it's what you do with it. That does that's the part that matters. Right. Yeah. You don't, don't, you don't want to get into a, another man's head. There's no doubt about it. All right, Aaron. This was a really interesting episode. A little hard to watch in some parts for me. Um, the antagonist was just super creepy. Yeah. And his whole interaction with Tuvok felt just so invasive. Yeah. And, and, and the whole concept behind it, I was like, oh, man, this is really uncomfortable, especially if everything poor Bellana goes through. Um, this is this is one of those episodes where I find myself kind of disagreeing with um, Janeway an awful lot with some of the choices that she makes. Um, like the the fact that I understand wanting to respect an alien race and show them integrity and show the best of ourselves as representatives of the Federation and everything like that. But to me, in a leadership role, your people got to come first. Totally. And, and I agree. Yeah, and they're like, well, we have to respect their culture and everything. But like on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but this is Bellana's culture. You know, this yeah. is what she's born with. She can't help the fact that she has these overly aggressive thoughts. That's who she is. That's who her people are. Right. And and it, it's I, I it just seems to me like the situation she's in can easily be remedied by just you know beaming her out of the the lab and everything at, when it, when it go, starts to go too far and right. She had her badge on the whole time. I'm sure they could have gotten a signal lock, but you know that 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 preservation of the integrity of their culture and everything. I, I had prime directive. Um, yeah, yeah. 
uh, being as mutable as it is sometimes, I would think that that would be uh, an exception to, okay, time to step in and use the big guns. I mean, the prime directive doesn't exactly apply here because it is another warp capables. That's that's true. You're right. That that is, yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So yeah, no, interesting. I I agree with you. Uh, Great episode. It's funny. I hadn't seen this episode in a long time, but I had heard it because there was a period of time in my car where I could play an episode through Paramount Plus and I could just listen to it as I drove. And I, I did a few in a row here. Uh, from this early part of season four. I don't know why, uh, but this is the one that I, I listened to the audio drama of it. So I, I had heard it more recently than than seeing some of the other ones. And I think that the same is true uh, for the other couple that follow. And I may have also tuned into the episodes of the Delta Flyers that was talking about this. I know that's, of course, Robbie and, and Garrett's show that covered every episode of Voyager. I know I, I listened to it right from the beginning and I dropped off for a while and I tuned back in during the last couple of seasons. So I, I may not have caught this one. Um, but uh, yeah, I I love it doing kind of doing what Star Trek does best um, and exploring really just exactly what Peter was talking about. So, yeah, definitely top marks for this episode without a doubt. All right, Aaron, episode 11 is yours. Uh Oh, we lost you, buddy. You still there? You're muted. Come back. Come back. Don't Sorry, I do that all the time. Uh, that's OK. <laughs> OK, uh, yes. Episode 11 concerning flight. Uh, I am going to try to pronounce this uh, director as best as I can. Jesus Salvador Treveno. You got it. I okay. Think. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I, I think so, too. Okay. So, uh, teleplay by Joe Minoski. Story by Jimmy Diggs and Joe Minoski. This original air date for this was November 26, 1997. And the synopsis is, aliens steal several key components of Voyager, which are retrieved with assistance from a holographic Leonardo da Vinci. Sala. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John Reese Davies. Old, old Gimli himself back in action. You bet. This is before <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Classic. Yeah, no, a great episode. Um yeah, it's it's uh it was a pretty simplistic concept seeing uh, uh uh the theft of some several key components from Voyager and great opportunity for the cast to go undercover and they go down to the planet, they're surprised to see that um Leonardo da Vinci is there, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, having one of the items that they stole was the uh, doctor's mobile emitter, and they used that to uh, bring da Vinci on board. And da Vinci was working for the bad guy uh, for a good part of this. He he wasn't sure of where he was. He thought he was uh, on, you know, on Earth. In America. Yeah. yeah. America! Yeah, the new world. Yeah, so that explains all the discrepancies and everything. And it was it was just kind of a fun episode and getting to see her, uh, Janeway, uh, work with her mentor in the field. Um, you know, just, just a classic, uh, 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 you know, true crime kind of find the, find the missing devices and everything. Just overall, a fun, solid episode, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I totally, I, 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 I totally agree. Um, obviously love John Reese Davies. I always had <laughs> since he was, you know, in my favorite film of all time, which I, you know, raised the lost Ark, which I saw in the theaters when I was five years old. Um, so it was awesome to see him. He had, uh, been around since, uh, as a holographic character, the latest of, of kind of Janeway's, uh, you know, holographic pals or programs that she runs on a regular basis, which I don't know how much more we saw of him after this episode. I, I tend Not to feel much. like this was, this was either the last or, or pretty close to the end, but, but again, you know, he's not Vic Fontaine, you know, which Vic Fontaine on DS nine, we enjoyed in, in season six and seven, um, in bits and pieces. So, um, but he wasn't a, he, I don't know. 
I, I cared for that character more than I cared for Leonardo da Vinci, even though da Vinci was real. Um, uh, really play, and then he and Janeway get to have a lot of great scenes in this. They get to, you know, fly his uh, fly his glider to do this big escape, and um, you get two about going on. Said, you know, basically saying to Janeway, like, uh, all accounts of this guy is that he's a big flake, and you probably shouldn't count on him to help you out. Uh, but the end of it, in the end of it, he does, even though she has to convince him, you know, that he's not really in America and she needs to help him out. Yada yada yada. So it's fun. It's it's a fun kind of crisis of the week kind of episode. Uh, the stakes are. Um, are, you know, are, are mid, kind of mid-range, you know, because obviously, they well, they got to get the warp core back. They got to get back all these supplies, this different stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I like it. And I kind of, I kind of like the way it resolved out. It was, it was pretty neat. Good stuff. All right. Well, episode 12 is Mortal Coil, uh, directed by Alan Croker, Brian Fuller, who's one of the main writers, uh, took care of this one from December of 97. Neelix dies, which some people <laughs> would loud who don't enjoy the character, uh, in an attempt to sample proto-matter from a nebula. Seven of Nine is able to resuscitate him using Borg nanoprobes, but Neelix, having no memory of an afterlife of any kind, experiences a type of spiritual crisis. I like it. Very much so. Uh, and again, different people have very strong feelings about the afterlife and about a deity and about a this and about a that. And so you do get a, a better exploration of Neelix's character, which I feel like we've I've I, I come to appreciate a lot more when Kess isn't around. And, and it's a shame Jen is not here uh, to talk about it because I know she has very strong feelings about uh, Voyager in general. But I, again, this is, a, this is a topic that we've discussed. My opinion, Neelix really excels when he's on his own. Uh, there's a lot more complexity to the character. Um, and this, this is great. Uh, the episode isn't even ruined by the, the appearance of the transitory child actor who is playing the Naomi Wildman character at this point, who is just, to me, just god-awful. Little, little kid actors, it's hard to get a great one anyway. I don't know if one really exists at that age. Um, but uh, throughout his, uh, you know, exploration of this, both before and after his, his you know, I won't even, it's not even a near-death incident, it's a death incident, uh, where he uh, had, pre, you know, his bedtime story to Naomi was, you know, the great forest and blah, 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 my sister is there. And, uh, you know, and when he comes back, he's, he, he says, well, I didn't remember experience any of that. He was, he was, he was dead for, for almost a day. Um, and so, yeah, so he's struggling with, with what all this means. And it's, um, it's, it's growth for the character. I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it told a story that probably, you know, would apply to any of us, which is, you know, having this kind of struggle if, you know, you died and came back to life and there was nothing but blackness. And if you were someone who your personal religious beliefs really believed in, in heaven and, or crossing the river and seeing your family on the other side, a la, you know, uh, uh, Laura Roslin from Battlestar Galactica, um, you know, that would, would be jarring. And what would you, what would you do with those emotions? So, um, yeah, I, th I thought it was, I thought it was pretty intense and I thought it was a, a great way to see the character grow. Peter. Um, I actually don't really care for this episode much. Um, in part because I, th there's, uh, while they handle it directly with Neelix, there's kind of a dismissiveness that underlies the whole concept, mm. uh, which I don't really like. Mm -hmm. Um, and in part because there's no, like, I get it where the writers are coming from. Um, but the fact that the episode ends with no clear resolution for Neelix, 
Yeah, it's um, true. It's like, hey, you got to deal with it. Good it's, luck. It's not really that great because they don't really approach any of the like the philosophical implications of like, well, did he act like uh, this is going to get into the weeds for a second here because I'm a philosophy major. Um, but like the fact that you didn't see anything when you were quote unquote dead, um, does that mean that you does that actually mean anything or does it just mean that you didn't technically die at that time because the afterlife is outside of time and all of this stuff. So there's a lot going on here that some of, some of the thought process just isn't really there for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's again, because I'm a philosopher, it annoys me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fair, fair. So like, there's a lot of interesting parts. There's a lot of spots where like, for instance, Chakotay tries to help him out, but then you also have Neelix who doesn't, he's just struggling with this thing, but he doesn't necessarily want to approach it head on like the entire time. Um, Which it is kind of classic Neelix. Yeah. Um, classic Neelix. But, but like he does have people who are trying to help him, but like, like, I don't know. There's just some things in there that just, you know, am I really me? Okay. That's, that's an interesting concept, but we didn't really like pursue it that much mm-hmm. um, or like pursue the <laughs> metaphysics behind that. Yeah. And maybe that's just me expecting too much uh, philosophy out of it, Star Trek, even yeah. though it's, it does do it and does do it decently. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I didn't really care for this episode for that. Much. Yeah. Like, there's some solid acting and some solid stuff, but overall, I don't think it really, um, at least for me, it's not a good um, resolution with, yeah. or, or like deep dive look into that particular issue. And, and yeah, I, right. as I said, a little dismissive, which I don't really appreciate. I so. hear you. I hear you. That's fair. Aaron. <sighs> Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of, uh, what Peter says here. Um, it, it was kind of kid gloves with the subject matter, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough subject to talk about. And I do kind of enjoy the juxtaposition of this character that was created primarily for comedic relief, put into this position where he has to deal with these heavy topics and everything. Right. No, agreed. Yeah. I thought that was, uh, uh, really interesting. And, you know, it's, 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 easy to relate to Neelix in this situation because I think that this is uh, something that a lot of us at some point or another have to struggle with and find the answers for ourselves. You know, I've definitely gone through this and and, and again, I, I, I hate the fact that Voyager has created an episode that made me relate to a character that I'm largely not a fan of, but uh, I, I've, I've definitely been there before and um, you know, I came to the same conclusion. I remember talking to my mom a while back um, where we were talking about the subject of you know is there life after death and i was like well what if there is nothing you know what if we have nothing to look forward to and and you know what, what does anything matter and she told me something that i found very comforting and i think of very often it's like at the very least if there is nothing after you've died at least you had the opportunity to have lived very you know? true very and true I, that's solid yeah, and that's kind of the my takeaway and that's kind of how i resolved my crisis that i went through with that and, and oh, that's gotcha. That's good. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right. Well, let's wrap it up with an episode uh, that didn't exactly uh, blow the doors off for me, but I'll let Peter talk about it. Episode 13, Waking Moments, directed by Alexander Singer, written by Andre Boromanis, uh, aired January 14th of 98. Uh, The crew become trapped in a shared nightmare generated by alien technology. Only Chakotay, through his Native American spiritual capabilities, can save them. Okuchi Moya all the way. Oh, wait. My peopling intensifies. Yeah. This one's uh, 
there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. This um, is, yeah, I, I yeah, like, yeah. I like the concept of the shared dream. Like it's it's Inception before Inception. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it does it in a slightly more interesting way for me because there's there's a lot of more deception going on uh, with it. Deception, um, deception, inception, deception, inception. That sounds just, there's, there's a hollow note song called possession obsession. So they're, they're oh, there ooh, ooh, roll it all together. Possession, obsession, inception, deception, change the name of the episode. Now, uh, <laughs> carry on. So, um, it's an interesting thing where we get like Chicote is able to do like the whole, um, like lucid dreaming sort of deal. And so he's able to like help them figure out what's going on. So I, I, I like that this episode has a little bit more of Chakotay being able to do something for people um, and kind of take charge here. Um, it's something that kind of peters out as the series continues. No pun intended. Peter, yeah. Peter says it peters out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's just kind of like that. These earlier episodes are where I really like Chakotay. And this is one of them. Yeah. As much as the concept of, some of how it all works is a little like goofy. Um, yeah. It's kind of cool how he's like going through and then like, it's like, Oh, well we're in a dream. I don't think we're in a dream. Well, Chakotay vanished. Oh, we must still be in a dream then. Like there's just, this- so it's like, uh, uh, the, the holiday episode where uh, Moriarty comes back and I'm drawing yep, a blank. It's on like the ship in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Like ship in a bottle where they're like, Oh, but we're really still in the holodeck because, you know, Jordy caught the thing with his left hand instead of his right hand or whatever. And so, you know, we, we, we never left the holodeck because we've been tricked in this kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that switch Maru does happen, happen several times in yeah. the episode. So, so and, um, and you kind yeah. of, and you get like a later, I think this trope has been done before, but where they find the aliens and it's like, well, if you don't stop, we're going to blow you up, but you're going to die. I don't care. You're going to blow up. <laughs> yeah, right. Enjoy blowing up, jerk. <laughs> Aaron, uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I loved uh, uh, Voyager's take on Inception. It was really, really great. A lot of that, you know, the dream within the dream scenario. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I love that. Um, what Chicote goes through on this episode with the whole, you know, at one point, just you know, he he had that his his trigger for waking up was seeing the image of the moon, right? And, and just seeing the moon kind of pop up randomly for him and be like, "Wait a minute, I'm still dreaming." And, it should have turned. It should have turned into somebody's head at some point. Like he's looking at Jane yeah. Wayne. It's just the moon. It looks like yeah. back tonight. I thought <laughs> it was hilarious how to appear yeah. on the L cars panel. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was what I was thinking of. Like, oh wait, hold on a second here. Yeah, I just that that was all fantastic, and and I, I love the opening sequence where we get to see um, Tuvok's nightmare of where he walks on the bridge. And <laughs> he, got he, has, he has the yeah showing up to math class. Uh, and and, I asked uh, why yeah. you needed to dress. I would yeah. rather you did not. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I loved it. Overall, I thought it was a really solid and fun episode. And, and they're, they're they're still playing with Harry Kim being uh, interested in uh, Seven of Nine, which which really goes away. It goes uh, away. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty much after this. So yeah, I, I again loving the concept, and you know, I, I like Chakotay as a character. Um, I'm I'm less enthused with Robert Beltran as as a as a person after everything that happened last year. But whatever, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the character because again you know it was it was pioneering a new direction uh of of 
of a character and kind of their beliefs and what kind of what their thrust is. I never knew anything about the fake Native American advisor person. Like that was like Kate told me about that while we were doing an episode a while back. I had never heard about that at all. I have no idea how long that went on for, or maybe that's why we saw less of, you know, Chakotay talking about his spiritual beliefs, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, this was, this was great. And it was, you know what, it was, it was better than having what turned into the doctor in the seven of nine show, which every time they run into a crisis, Oh, it's one of the two of them has got to solve it. Just like on enterprise, it turned into flocks and to Paul kind of doing that because they have a carbon copy episode where we got to put everybody to sleep to get through the space cloud or whatever, you know? So, um, so this, this, this had elements of that, but again, at least we, we tossed, uh, Chakotay into the driver's seat and I got to see more of the, the character, you know, that I like so much. So yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, it, it worked for me without a doubt. So, all right, well, let's wrap it up by picking out of this grouping uh, a favorite and a least favorite. So we'll start with Aaron. Okay, so uh, I would say that for my least favorite, I'm I'm probably going to go with um, let me let me look at my random thoughts. I think um, just because I f- it, it was a good episode, but uh, I, I had a lot of. Um, conflicts with some of the choices made by the characters and everything in it. I felt like some of them weren't at their best here. Um, and it just made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, for favorite, um, I gotta go with, I gotta go with waking moments, I think. Cause oh, that wow. was, cool. it, it was just a lot of fun. And, and I love episodes that really make me think and be like, okay, I literally do not know what's going on. What's going to happen next. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your princess is in the other castle. Hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Pe- all right, Peter, how about you? Um, for least favorite, I think we all know where I'm going here. Uh, Mortal mm-hmm. coil. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just really did not like that episode much. Um, and for favorite episode out of this group, um, I am actually going to go because I'm not touching Year of Hell because that's its own thing. Um, I'm going to go with Concerning Flight because I oh. just thoroughly enjoy John Reese Davies' performance here and the goofy character moments and all of that. Nice, good deal. Well, I uh, I am going to go with the Year of Hell, obviously one and two, because again, it's it's kind of the episode that I I grimace to watch it, but I love uh, strong you know, character portrayals by most everyone, you know, and, and of course, uh, Kurtwood Smith leading the charge, but I thought Janeway really shined in this. Uh, it was great to see, uh, some, uh, Janeway Chakotay moments. It was good to see some Paris and Chakotay moments. Uh, it was good to see the growing friendship between, as Aaron mentioned, between seven and Tuvok. Uh, so just overall liked it, but again, that kind of lumps it, uh, into two, but I, you know, I didn't have an episode that I, I really hated in this grouping. I, I would probably go with with waking moments because there were parts of it that just kind of kind of got tropish for me and it just really reminded me of the TNG episode. Even though I love Chakotay and his part of it, I just I kind of lost a bit of interest. Uh, but again, I liked this overall group of episodes, and there's not one that I absolutely hated, which doesn't always happen, particularly with Voyager, which you know ends up having some kind of kind of iffy uh, moments from time to time. So, all right, well. Uh, in our next episode, in our next episode, uh, we're going to jump into the next six uh, segments uh, of um, of Voyager in season four. We will be tackling uh, our our favorite picks for TOS season three. Uh, but I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. I'm going to tee it up. Episode after next, 
we're going to start something that echoes uh, something Jen and I, and probably also you guys as well, did uh, where we would, we would each one of us would choose a, a great episode we loved and then an episode we didn't really care for, the good and the bad. But what we're doing this time is uh, several weeks ago, uh, the four main of us, so us here and Jen, uh, did basically a random choice or the roll of the dice to do the random sode or the random episode of all of Star Trek. So we rolled it. Uh, we each got to go in a, a, a sequence. So we, we picked a, uh, uh, we rolled for a series. Then we rolled for a season. Then we rolled for an episode. So all of season one, and this, this will probably cons- be consistent throughout the rest of this podcast throughout the end of time, when we don't have something new, to chat about in segment one, we will do this. And so we have our first three or four laid out uh, over the next several months. We will have a bye week when April and I do go on the cruise because we won't get back in time enough to do an episode. Um, But we'll have our first one episode after next, and I don't have it in front of me, but we'll let it be a surprise. We'll we'll do that. And then we'll we'll just do a deep dive on it. You know, I'll have notes and and tips and tricks and facts and all different stuff, and we'll just talk through that. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun. But anyway, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. Aaron, where do people find you out there? Well, we're on uh, Facebook, USS Rhapsody, and on Instagram. And, of course, you can find my other group, the uh, Ghostbusters. I got my proton pack in the back there, if anybody's seen the video. Uh, GBMI at uh, Ghostbusters Michigan on Facebook and on YouTube. Very nice. All right, Peter, what about you? Well, you can find me around the interwebs at Petrus Aquinas, uh, usually just on the Discord. Um, I'm also, once again, running a Star Trek Adventures campaign over on ELH's Twitch channel. Uh, so you can find me there. Uh, but other than that, uh, that, that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) That's where he's at. Good deal. And uh, I'm over on threads and Instagram, uh, as C3 Carpenter, go ahead and spell it out. Very happy to have left X behind. I hear things are just getting worse. So that, that works for me. Um, but the main thrust of what I do is that, uh, all three of us here belong to Starfleet International. Peter and I, uh, and my lovely wife, April, uh, do help run the USS Grand Petoskey. We're one of the biggest chapters in the world of that international organization. We're based here in West Michigan, but there are chapters uh, all over the state in our our region and Eastern Canada uh, for Region 13, which I have the pleasure of being the regional coordinator. Uh, if you're a trekker and would love to meet other trekkers where you live, either in those places or even in other places, please drop me a line uh, through sfi.org uh, or through the Grand Petoskey website. Give it a Google. Um, we also run a great Discord for our chapter and also for Region 13. So if you happen to already belong and you're not part of a Discord, drop me a line. Would love to hear from you. Of course, you find Secret Friends Unite at the website of the same name. But but again, if you visit patreon.com slash Secret Friends Unite, you can try our Patreon content uh, for seven days for free. And there's also a link on our website for that. So, guys, thanks for joining us. Everybody, thanks for listening. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Hey, thank you, everybody. Have a good one. And remember, a thousand stars means a million maybes. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.